0: Have you ever wondered why a certain house in your neighborhood has stood abandoned for years or even decades? Or maybe you've heard about a terrible murder in your town, but you've never known exactly where it happened. Jules, and welcome to Morbid Tourism, the podcast. On this podcast, I'm going to talk about the true crime cases that may have happened closer to home than you thought. Warning This episode includes disturbing content, including domestic violence and violence against children. This podcast is not recommended for young listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In the modern world we are constantly surrounded by cameras we're being recorded now more than ever before sometimes it's us purposefully recording ourselves doing fun things like taking selfies and sharing the best most exciting parts of our lives on social media so that our friends and our followers can keep up with our lives but even if you're not a big social media user that doesn't mean that the cameras aren't still watching. You might be blissfully unaware of the cameras recording your moves in your everyday life, from body cameras on police officers to ring doorbells or security cameras on our neighbors' homes. Now, this can be a frightening or reassuring thought depending on how you look at it. But for someone trying to get away with murder, It's more difficult than ever to avoid the watchful eye of the camera. In 2010, Shanann Ruschek met Christopher Watts in North Carolina, where they were both from. Shanann had been married previously, but she described her first marriage as borderline abusive, and she ended up getting divorced. Not long after the divorce, she started getting really, really sick. And at first she didn't know what was going on, but she was diagnosed with lupus, which is an autoimmune disease where basically the body kind of attacks itself and it's made worse in times of stress or some other triggers. But essentially your body is fighting itself. But when Shanann got a friend request on Facebook from Chris Watts, It was as if all of the hardship to get her to that point was worth it. And now it wasn't exactly love at first sight. In the beginning, she actually denied Chris's advances. Shanann was undeniably beautiful and super outgoing, whereas Chris was somewhat overweight at around 245 pounds and much more introverted and subdued. So not really her normal type or like the normal kind of guy she would go for. Eventually, though, he won her over. He had lots of really nice things to say to her and just kind of promised her a happy life. And by November of 2012, they were married. Shanann's family loved Chris. They gave speeches at their wedding about how happy they were to welcome him into their family and how happy he made Shanann. By contrast, though, Chris's family did not really like Shanann. They had such strong feelings about her that they didn't even come to the couple's wedding. One reason for these really strong feelings was because the Watts family was very close, and Shanann and Chris had decided to move to Colorado to start their lives there. And as you can imagine, Colorado is a Long ways away from North Carolina, so the fact that Chris was now going to be separated from his family was something that caused a lot of conflict, and the family kind of geared these frustrations towards Shanann. Even still, Chris remained really close with his family, and he even considered his dad to be his best friend. Soon after the marriage, the couple did relocate to a suburban town in Colorado called Frederick. And this town is about 20 minutes north of Denver. Neither Shanann or Chris had any real support system in the area, but they had visited the Denver area together and really just fell in love with it. If you've been to Denver, you probably have done the same thing. It's absolutely gorgeous, beautiful mountains. So once they visited, they just really fell in love with the area. Chris got a job as an oil field technician, and basically it was his job to go around and inspect and do maintenance on oil tanks all around the Denver area. It was a really well-paying job, and Chris seemed to enjoy it, so it was working out well for him. Shanann was a representative for the multi-level marketing company called Lavelle, and she was selling a product called Thrive. Now, if you're not familiar with what a multi-level marketing company is, essentially the business model is very similar to kind of a pyramid scheme. Although if you've ever met someone that's in a multi-level marketing company, they will strongly deny this, but the concept is kind of the same. So generally how it works is to become a representative, you purchase a bulk amount of product at a discount and then you sell that product to your connections. If you're familiar with Avon, that's a multi-level marketing company, or Lularo. these are all kind of multi-level marketing companies um, that have been popular over the years. But the real money from these companies, it doesn't come from selling products. It comes from recruiting other people to be representatives for the company as well. If you recruit someone to be a part of the company, they then become part of your team and you get a portion of any sales that they make. The person who recruited you to the company also gets some of the proceeds and so on and so forth, kind of all the way up. The more reps you recruit for your team, the more money you make from their sales and the representatives that they recruit to be on their teams. So as you can imagine, there is a lot of self-promotion that comes along with being in a multi-level marketing company. You have to convince people that what you're doing and what you're selling is making you very successful and happy so that people want to do it as well and want to join your team. Appearances and what you share on social media really becomes paramount to your business and your income stream. And Shanann threw herself into her business and she shared thousands of posts, pictures, videos, you know, all of that kind of stuff to her Facebook page. And she was portraying her marriage as pretty much perfect. And it worked. She was really good at her job and she was able to recruit people onto her team. Eventually, Shanann and Chris became pregnant with their first child, a girl that they named Bella. Shanann knew that she wanted a bigger home to raise a family in and the couple was in a good position financially with Chris's job and Shanann's business. They bought a two-story, five-bedroom house located at 2825 Saratoga Trail in Frederick, Colorado, which, again, is about 20 minutes north of Denver. The community they chose is full of kind of these cookie-cutter McMansions. Uh, Each home, they kind of look very similar to the next one, but they're definitely very, very nice. They are large homes, a really good area to raise a family. The community was also really close-knit, which would allow Shanann to network further and meet more people, potentially growing her business even more. After they bought the home, Shanann gave birth to Bella on December 17, 2013, and it was immediately evident that Shanann's love for Bella was abundant. The frequency of her posts on Facebook only increased, and they were overwhelmingly about Bella and the love that Shanann felt for her growing family. Just over a year later, Shanann found out that she was pregnant again. She was absolutely overjoyed, and judging from the posts on Facebook, Chris shared her excitement for the second child to fill their home. On July 17th, 2015, Shanann gave birth to their second daughter, Celeste Catherine, who they lovingly called Cece. Cece was allergic to a lot of things, so they had to be really careful about what they gave her. Things like nuts could throw Cece into an anaphylactic shock, which could kill her, but otherwise she was a really happy and healthy baby. Shanann became more focused than ever on growing her business and portraying her family as the happy, all-American family that she had so desperately wanted to create. She posted videos on Facebook multiple times a day, sharing videos of Bella and Cece dancing, cheering on their favorite football team, the Steelers, or singing songs. One post in particular has become especially haunting and heartbreaking now, It's a video of young Bella singing a song called, My Daddy is My Hero. Now, from the outside, the family really was perfect. They had two beautiful, happy daughters, loving, doting parents, and they all lived in this beautiful, large home in picturesque Colorado. But on the inside, cracks were starting to form. Around the time that Cece was born, It was becoming increasingly clear that the family was living above their means, and they were forced to file bankruptcy. But financial stress wasn't the only obstacle the couple was facing. Chris had begun filling his free time with working out, and he ended up losing 60 pounds and became really fit. For the first time in his life, he was getting attention from women without seeking it out. In June of 2018, he met Nicole Kessinger, a beautiful and adventurous woman who he had worked with and who caught his eye right away. He told Nicole that he was in the process of separating from his wife, but was open about the fact that he had two daughters. He and Nicole started spending more and more time together without Shanann knowing what was going on with her husband. Now, right around the time that Chris and Nicole met, Shanann posted another video on Facebook, this time, it was a video of her standing in their kitchen, wearing a shirt that says, oops, we did it again, basically referencing the fact that she was pregnant again. Chris enters the frame and sees her shirt and immediately notices the phone recording before saying, we did it again. Wow, that's amazing. I guess when you wanted, it it happens. Still, the strain on the relationship was palpable, and in late June of 2018, Shanann, Bella, and Cece took a trip to North Carolina, where they planned to stay for six weeks. Chris had to keep working in Colorado, but since Shanann was a sales rep for LaBelle, she could really work from anywhere. Chris planned on heading out to North Carolina for the last week of the vacation to join his family, and then accompany them on the flight back to Colorado. While Shanann and the girls were in North Carolina, Shanann began to notice that just something wasn't right with Chris. You know, when you've been with someone for long enough, you can really catch these slight changes in behavior. um, And especially when you're thousands of miles away from the person, you really take notice of kind of every interaction that you have with them. Chris was making little effort to reach out to Shanann, and he would forget to call her or even try to make contact with his two daughters. Shanann was understandably very upset by this lack of concern for his family, and she sent him seething text messages accusing him of not caring about them and being too focused on himself and working out. His responses were seemingly genuine. He apologized deeply for forgetting to call, and he told Shanann how much he missed her and loved her and wanted to see them. Still, his behavior didn't improve over the time that they were apart and Shanann continued to have concerns. Now, you can probably guess why Chris was forgetting to call his family. While Shanann and the girls were in North Carolina, Chris spent almost all of his free time with Nicole. The pair went out, stayed the night in hotels together, even went sand dune boarding together, and they seemed to be getting on really well. Chris realized what his life without Shanann and his daughters could be like, and he was hooked. So before Chris joined Shanann and his daughters, an incident occurred between Shanann and Chris's mom, Cindy Watts. Cindy had bought ice cream for the girls, and it contained ingredients that Cece was allergic to. And Cindy and Shanann got into such a big argument over the ice cream that Chris's mom ended up kicking Shanann and the girls out of the house. Now, later that week, Shanann had a birthday party for Cece and Chris's family didn't even bother to show up to share in the celebration. Shanann communicated her frustrations about this incident with Chris, who seemingly took her side, kind of saying that it wasn't okay for his mom to be so thoughtless as to get a type of ice cream that could cause really serious harm to Cece or maybe even kill her. Still, Chris was very close with his family and tensions were very high. By the time Chris joined them in North Carolina, Shanann was upset about a bunch of things. She was upset about the lack of communication, the argument with Chris's family, you know, all of these things. But ultimately, she had just spent five weeks away from her husband and she missed Chris so much that all she wanted to do was hold him and kiss him. He did not reciprocate her affection. He kissed her only once on the first day that they were together at the airport. One night, instead of spending time in bed with his wife, he decided to do a social media push-up challenge instead. Shanann texted her friends absolutely heartbroken, sharing the intimate details of their sex life or lack thereof. In these text messages to her friends, she shared that she was convinced Chris was cheating on her. Even after being together for eight years, the couple had a very active sex life, and for them to go five weeks apart was rare, so Shanann expected them to have sex right away when he arrived in North Carolina. She told her friends that if he wasn't trying to sleep with her, he was getting it from somewhere else. Now her friends, like any good set of friends would do, tried to convince her otherwise. You know, no, there's no way, he loves you, he's not cheating, but Shanann's instincts were right. Now the family returned to Colorado and Chris tried to go on pretending that everything was okay, kind of living both of these lives, but inside he was boiling over. It was all becoming too much. On August 9th of 2018, Shanann left Colorado to go on a training trip for work. Even though she was Pretty pregnant at this point, she was still really committed to building her business and growing personally to provide for her family. Chris stayed behind to care for the girls, and on that Saturday night, Chris told Shanann that he was going to a Colorado Rockies game, so he had to get a sitter for the girls. In reality, Chris was going out with Nicole. Chris took Nicole to a restaurant called Lazy Dog Cafe, and this is a chain restaurant. It's kind of like a Chili's or a BJ's brew house. Now, without thinking, Chris paid for the bill using his debit card, which was connected to the bank account that he shared with Shanann. Shanann was sharp. It really wasn't easy to get something past her. And she immediately noticed the charge from Lazy Dog, which was a pretty big charge. And she also knew that this restaurant was nowhere near the ballpark that Chris was supposed to be at. So more than ever, she was convinced that Chris was cheating on her this was her proof and she was furious. Shanann had a late flight home and after the flight, she was dropped off by her friend and fellow Lavelle rep, Nicole Atkinson, not to be confused with the Nicole that Chris was having an affair with. Now, Nicole dropped Shanann off around 1.45 in the morning on August 13th. The security doorbell on the Watts family home Shows Shanann being dropped off at the home and making her way inside. This was the last known recording of Shanann Watts. The following day, Chris had to leave for work around 6 a.m. He was scheduled to work on some large oil drums at the service oil fields, specifically Service 319. Shanann had an OBGYN appointment scheduled for that morning, and her friend who had dropped her off, Nicole Atkinson, sent her a text message to check on her, kind of see how the appointment had gone, um, see if any new kind of details with Chris had come up. But Nicole didn't get a response for a few hours, so she kind of kept sending messages before she decided to head over to the Watts house to check on Shanann. Shanann had her phone on her constantly. She was um, always texting with her friends. So for her not to respond was really odd and it really just made Nicole nervous. And so being a good friend, she went to her house to check on her. She arrived and noticed right away that Shanann's car was in the driveway. So she was hopeful that maybe Shanann had just overslept. You know, she had gotten in really late from the flight the night before. So maybe she was just still sleeping. So Nicole tried to get into the house, but all of the doors were locked and there was no response in the home to loud knocking on the door. Nicole started to almost panic. You know, her friend wasn't responding. She's not in her house. Her car is here. So she called 911 and got an officer to come to the house to conduct a welfare check on Shanann and the girls. A police officer responded and went to the Watts home where he met Nicole and learned about what was going on. The officer did everything he could within the law to check the house, which it really wasn't much more than what Shanann's friend could do. The officer, you know, could knock on the windows and kind of yell in the house, but without probable cause or a warrant, he couldn't enter the house without the homeowner's permission. Now, this officer was wearing a body cam, and so it recorded the entirety of what happened at the Watts house from the moment he arrived. When the officer was on his way to the house, authorities had made contact with Chris and let them know that, you know, someone was trying to find his wife and they were doing a welfare check. So he decided to come home to the house as well. When Chris arrived home, the officer was there and met Chris in the driveway of the house. Chris shook the officer's hand and then opened the garage door and walked in the house that way. But he didn't invite Janan's friend, or the officer into the house as well they had to wait until he made his way through the house to the front door and he let them in that way once inside the home it was really evident that there was not a struggle that had happened everything was in its place the house was really neat and tidy you know if there had been an intruder you would expect things to be knocked over uh, but it wasn't like that at all it was very clean Shanann's purse and phone were found in her bedroom, and that really panics her friend Nicole even more because Shanann wouldn't go anywhere without her phone or her purse. Shanann's medication was also found, without which she could suffer debilitating migraines. None of the girls' clothes were missing either, which further ruled out the possibility that maybe Shanann had left with the girls willingly. Finally, Chris comes out of the bedroom with Shanann's wedding ring, saying he found it on the bedside table. The officer calls her back up, and while he's gathering information, he visits the Watts' next-door neighbor, Nathan Trinistich. Now, Nathan had a security camera pointed out from his front door, and it partially captured the Watts' driveway. This type of security camera only recorded when there was motion. Otherwise it was kind of just on standby waiting for motion, not recording. So the neighbor plays a video for the officer and Chris that was captured that very morning when Chris was getting ready and going to work. Although it's kind of difficult to see, you definitely can see Chris loading up his work truck and it seems to take a little bit of time and then he drives away and goes to work. There was no other motion captured on the neighbor's security system that day until Nicole arrived at the home looking for Shanann. By nightfall, the search for Shanann and the girls was in full gear. A news crew visited Chris at his home and broadcast an interview where Chris, who is oddly very stoic, he asked for the safe return of Shanann and his daughters. Shanann's parents fly out to Colorado right away, and they start doing everything they can to find her and the girls. Things like spreading flyers around, you know, going around to neighbors asking if anyone has seen them, but no one had seen them. Now, as standard procedure, police started questioning Chris, asking him if he knew of any reasons why Shanann would want to leave or if she or Chris had been having an affair, but he denied everything, basically continuing this farce that their marriage was perfect and he had no idea where they could be. But his lies would come crashing down when Nicole Kessinger went to the police herself after hearing about Shanann and the girl's disappearance on social media. She told the police everything, how she'd been dating Chris for several months, and how he'd lied to her about his marriage. Now, without disclosing to Chris that they had spoken with Nicole, investigators convinced Chris to take a lie detector test, which he, of course, failed. After confronting him with the results of the test, Chris broke down and asked to speak with his father, who had flown in from North Carolina to also help with the search efforts and to support his son. The investigators obliged, and they basically let his father into the same room as Chris while they left them alone. To his father, Chris admitted that he had killed Shanann, but he claimed that he did so only because Shanann had first killed Cece and Bella. He told his father that he had told Shanann that he wanted a divorce and she flipped out. She went into the girls' rooms and she suffocated them. When Chris saw what Shanann had done, he said he couldn't control his rage and he strangled her out of Grief and sadness and anger about her killing their daughters. Now, of course, this entire confession was caught on video since it happened within an interrogation room at the police department. Chris was immediately arrested and placed in custody for the murders of Shanann, Bella, Cece, and Shanann's unborn son, Nico. The next bit of this case is especially disturbing, so if you need to, please fast forward about three minutes to skip the details about how Chris carried out these murders. I'll pause here to give you time to fast forward. After his arrest, Chris told investigators where he had taken the three bodies, his work site for that day. He had wrapped Shanann in a sheet and buried her in a shallow grave. For Cece and Bella, though, he had an even more awful final resting place in mind, inside the oil tanks that he worked on. He pushed their tiny, lifeless bodies through an eight-inch-wide round hole at the top of the tanks. Upon hearing this, immediately, first responders visited the site and began efforts to retrieve the bodies and although they were able to retrieve them, the oil's effects on CeCe and Bella's bodies were already significant. Final identification would have to be made through dental and medical records. Although Chris initially stuck to his story that Shanann was responsible for Bella and CeCe's death, when he faced the death penalty, he recanted, and he ultimately took a plea deal. Chris Watts pled guilty to all three murders— plus the unlawful termination of a pregnancy in the case of his unborn son, Nico, in return for a sentence of life in prison without the possibility of parole. As part of this plea deal, he had to fully confess on how he committed all three of the murders. He stated that after Shanann returned home late that night, she had tried to have sex with him, but he rejected her. He went to bed that night knowing that in the morning he would kill Shanann and make it look like she ran away with the kids to start a new life without Chris. When he woke up early before sunrise for work, that's exactly what he did. He strangled Shanann, wrapped her body in a sheet, and put her on the floor in the back seat of his work truck. He then woke up Cece and Bella and told them that they were coming with him to work. They both sat in the backseat of his work truck right next to their mother's dead body for the 45-minute drive out to the oil fields. Once there, Chris put a blanket over Cece's head and suffocated her, claiming that she didn't fight back or even say anything to him. Bella asked what was wrong with Cece and even said Daddy no while he put a blanket over her head and smothered her. After he hid their bodies, Chris called a realtor to ask about listing his house. Then he called the school that Bella and Cece went to and told them that the girls were unenrolling. Finally, he texted his girlfriend Nicole to see when she was free to go out. The house at 2825 Saratoga Trail is still standing today. Chris is incarcerated at Dodge Correctional Institution in Wisconsin, where he continues to receive letters from women hoping to start a relationship with this man who murdered his entire family. But in a way, I'm glad that he gets those letters because I hope that they remind him what his life could have been like if he had just gotten a divorce instead of becoming an absolute monster. I hope that each time he gets a letter, he feels regret knowing that he could have been meeting women on the outside and having relationships, but instead he has to go to bed in a cold, lonely cell every night for the rest of his life. Never again will he know the feeling of falling asleep next to someone who loves him. Thank you for listening to this Morbid Tourism episode about the Watts family home. If you like learning about morbid locations, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. And leave us a rating or a review. Let us know what you think. We really, really appreciate it. New episodes will be released weekly. Between episodes, visit www.morbidtourism.com to learn about more morbid locations. Follow us on Instagram at morbidtourism. This podcast is researched, hosted, produced, and edited by me, Jules Kruger. Additional research by Amanda Poikert. Sources for this episode include Wikipedia, American Killer on Netflix, Insider.com, and the Denver Police Department body cam footage.